The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. Right, this is our second Sunday as we work our way from the beginning of the Bible, right back in Genesis. And um, it's our second week in the book of Beginnings. I want to affirm what I said last Sunday, that there are principles that we learned in Luke and Acts. We are not told everything, but we are told everything that we need to know. And so we are left with lots of questions. And I look forward to the day that I go home and um, find out some of those answers. Along the way, we do shed new light sometimes on biblical truth giving rise to new understandings, but we cannot and we should not change or ignore spiritual truth. So we may gain new insight. In fact, that's one of the things I've found as we've done Discovery Bible Study and I've been through uh, Genesis 1, 2 and 3 so many times that every time I come to it, there's something new. And even as I prepared this message, I'm going, I've never seen that. In the, I'm 60, just turned 62. 62 years of going to church, most Sundays, I have read this chapter so often and it's like, I've never seen that. So I'll come to that later. Last week I, uh, I talked about the fact that the science is often open for debate. Um, I actually saw one article that came out that was published um, a week before last, not, not yesterday, last Saturday, um, saying, did the Big Bang really happen? And it's a new uh, challenge to the theory with this new uh, space telescope that they've got. Um, but this article I mentioned last week and it was published in The Guardian on the 28th of June 2022 asking the question, do we need a new theory of evolution? One of the greatest lies I've heard over the last few years is science is settled. Because the challenge is that I read another comment that made if it's settled it's not science. Science is always exploring. Science is always seeking to understand truth in greater measure. As our understanding of the complexity of creation grows, whether we are looking further and further out into the wonders of the universe, or whether we're looking closer and closer to the incredible detail of creation. We have these little like moths that have been breeding in our bathroom and, and they're like this big. And it's like I'm gradually trying to kill them. Well, sorry if anyone's offended by that, but it's this tiny little thing. And it's like there's so much intricate detail in this thing that it can fly and reproduce. And you're just mind-boggling the detail of God's creation as well as the expanse of it. And the more we understand that, the more we understand how, how limiting our various um, understandings of it are. And, and science wrestles to understand those. And it's interesting that some of the greatest scientists over the years have been Christian men and women who have sought to understand and explore all that God has done and all that God has created. And as believers, we have increasing reason to declare with David, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? Human beings that you care for them. We have even more reason than David did because we understand far more of what we're looking at when we gaze up into the night sky when the clouds aren't there. 
If you want to explore more on what happens when science meets creation, creation.com is a great website. And for very little money, I think it was about $10, you can actually watch this whole series, a 12-part 12, 12 series teaching through Genesis 1 to 11 and how the science fits with the scripture. I've not watched it, but I've seen enough stuff on the website that I think is incredibly fascinating. And uh, that's why I don't get too much into it, because my science background would mean I'd spend far too much time on that and not enough time on the things that I believe God's really called me to do. My purpose, however, always is to challenge, encourage and inspire you to listen to the Holy Spirit speaking through the Scriptures. That's what God's laid on my heart. So when I sat down in my uh, room in Melbourne in 20. 14 in March of 2014 said God what am I going to do with the rest of my life that's the heart of it I want to encourage people, I want to challenge people I want to inspire them to listen to the Holy Spirit speaking through the scriptures and that's what we have through the Discovery Bible study these five questions, looking at the scriptures saying what does this tell us about God or Jesus what does this tell us about people is there an example to follow or command to obey what will I do differently because of what God has revealed and who will I share this with? Those are such simple questions, but I've seen such transformation. And around the world there are stories of such transformation through those simple questions as we allow the Holy Spirit to speak, as he's always done when he's invited through the word of God. Sermons have their place. But we can spend so much time listening to sermons in fact, I remember years ago being told one of the problems with a lot of us when we do our daily devotional in a daily quiet time, that can be really helpful, but often we're hearing what God has said to someone else through a passage. And God wants to speak to us through his word. So listen to the sermons and that, that's great. But allow God to speak. Obedience-based discipleship, obedience to the Holy Spirit as he speaks through his word is transformational. And so last week, I reckon there's three summaries of creation. Three summaries of creation as we read through Genesis 1 and 2. And the first one is, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That's kind of like the big picture. If you want to summarise it, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 2 we actually step into the second summary, which is like focusing in a little bit more detail. And it says the earth was formed. So you've got the heavens and the earth, and now we're just focusing on what God did in the creation of the earth. And then as you go into Genesis uh, 2, we begin to say, from focusing on God creating the heavens and the whole universe, to God creating the earth and filling the earth, to what God did in the lives of people and how he created humanity and his purpose for humanity. So we have those three levels, those three summaries of the creation story. However, this morning, we're moving forward in the second part, that second summary, beginning in verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. He called the light day and the darkness night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And that's a good spot to stop. And God said, let there be light. In John's Gospel, John says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. 
without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness concerning, to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, but he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is the word that God spoke in the beginning. Jesus is the creative word. Through him all things are made. And God said, let there be light. Into the darkness God speaks the word. If you don't know which way to go, look into the word. If it seems dark around you, look into the word. Not just the written word. The written word's really important. We sang it in that song before. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Light reveals. Scriptures therefore are a revelation. However, there is an the ultimate revelation is not the one at the end that we become so focused on. The ultimate revelation in Scripture is the man who comes in the middle of the story. Jesus himself, the light of the world, comes. He is the ultimate revelation. All of the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. And all of the New Testament either reports his coming, his crucifixion, his resurrection, or begins to tell what happens as people live in the shadow of and in the light of his story. So the written word is a lamp, a light that reveals the living word, the light of the world. John 8 says, Jesus speaking to the people, says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And to darkness, God speaks light. In John 5, he says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know, I've never seen that bit before until I saw it this week. He says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. What happens when he's gone? Not hard. He says in Matthew 5, now you're going to be the light of the world. Jesus came as the light of the world. We followed through Luke's Gospel and the book of Acts. We, we, we saw the the coming of the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire, light, coming upon that group of disciples and birthing the church. The Spirit of God that had been in Jesus is now in us. Jesus had been the light of the world while he was in the world, and now we are to be the light of the world. And I find myself going, hmm, how are we doing? So whenever we encounter darkness, we know that the Spirit is, what was the Spirit doing in Genesis 1-2? When the world was formless and void, the Spirit was hovering over the waters. So when you find darkness, wherever it is, whether it's in, within, whether it's in the world around you, the Spirit of God is at work. We sing the song, even when I don't see it, you're working. The Holy Spirit is hovering. And what does he want to do then? He wants to speak light into the situation. And guess what? You're the light that he wants to speak into the darkness of our generation. Another thing we notice that the uh, passage is that it says at the end that there was evening and morning the first day. Now we tend to think of evening and morning, we think of night, 
and sunrise. But you can't have sunrise to define the morning because the sun at this point in time hasn't been created. So you can't have, there was evening and morning, oh there was a sunrise because there's no sun. But we're told, if we look through to the end of the story, right to the end of the story, through to Revelation 21, and they're talking about the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. And John writes, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. The lamp is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor to it. On that day, on, sorry, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. So right back at the beginning, God is the light of the world. Right in the middle of the story, Jesus is the light of the world. And right at the end of the story, when the sun and the moon have gone, God will still be, and the Lamb, God will be its light and the Lamb will be its lamp. The existence of day and night did not and will not depend on the existence of the sun. Scientifically, that's a problem for us. But God is not controlled or limited by our scientific understanding. In fact, he created the scientific principles. The existence of day and night do not and will not depend on the existence of the sun. God is our provider. And we've got to remember that in so many things, that God is our provider. It's not the things that the world tells us are important for every day. God is our provider. If he can be our light, if he can take the place of the sun, is there anything he can't do? And he provides spiritual light in the darkness through us, his church. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So if the world is not looking too well preserved, if the world is looking pretty tasteless right now, if the world is looking kind of dark, we can point the finger at the world, but the scriptures point the finger at us. And Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What do we do? We come back to the word, to the written word, and to the living word. And so back to verse 8. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault separating the, uh, God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And so it was so, and God called the vault sky, and there was evening and morning the second day. I kind of try to visualize that as like, you know, the clouds are going up there and the, the water and the seas and what have you. So there's water down here, water up there, and you've got this like where the atmosphere sits. That's the best I can visualize it. And then God said. Let the water under the sky be gathered together in one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas and God saw that it was good. And so you've got this separation of water and land starting to emerge. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit and with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. And the land produced vegetation, plant-bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. So here we have day three. In the morning, God brings dry ground by separating the waters. 
And then, having created all things botanical, God declares, it's good. But there was something else in this verse, and this is the bit that I'd never spotted before. I've always gone, so on this afternoon, God created all of the trees and all the plants, and I'm going, well, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. But I realised that God did a lot more than create plants. Because plants aren't just things. God created DNA. God created proteins. God created all of the intricate processes that if you study the science that you understand how, how complex a plant is. Forget about a human being. How complex a plant is. And God created all of that complexity and all of those processes on that day. Not bad for a day's work. You know, I've sat back and I've gone, oh, God created the, all the plants and the trees. But to realise, because when I did do a bit of science at university before I dropped out, it was microbiology, biochemistry was my thing. I loved it. The intricacies of our creation. And God created so much of that on that afternoon. And then God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark the sacred times and the days and the years. And, and let them be the lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars and God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and morning the fourth day. And when David sang, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. David didn't have a clue of just how much they declared. He looked, and you know, you go out in the country away from the city and you can look up and see the myriad of stars and you can go, wow. But this latest, what's this latest telescope? Outdone the, uh, I can't even name it, but it's outdone the Hubble telescope. It's like any picture through the Hubble telescope looks like it's severely out of focus compared to this new telescope that they've got out there showing incredible details of our universe. And if David had reason to declare the glory of God, how much more do we? How much knowledge do they contain? And then we continue, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let the birds above the and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And it was evening and it was morning, the fifth day. Everything that flies and everything that swims on that day. And again, if you understand the biology of it, there's even more biology that God created on that day. Because these things weren't just planted in a space. These things could move and multiply and replenish and fill the earth. 
Again, all in a day's work. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock and the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Livestock, wild animals. And again, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name and all the earth. It was easy, as I said last week, it was easy when we thought the creation was simple, just trees and vegetables. And, but the greater the complexity, it was easy then to think it was a simple process of evolution. But the more we understand of the complexity, the more challenged their evolutionary theory becomes and the more we realise how much glory God deserves. When I look at the intricacies and complexities of this vast creation, I cannot but acknowledge, as Genesis does, that there is a powerful and creative, creative intelligence at work. I'm also reminded that on day one, God said, let there be light. That's all God did on day one. It was a relatively simple day now, not for me. But it was like, let there be light. Day's job done. And day two, yeah, water above, water below, done. It's like you've got six days to create this world, God. Surely you can get more done in the first couple of days. Isn't that how we work? Day three, the land and the plants and the sun and the moon and the stars. Not just all the ones that David could see, galaxies beyond. And then all the birds and all the fish. <coughs> we are in such a hurry to get to the end of the job. And you're like, God on day one is going, light's good. Day two, separation is good. Sometimes progress seems slow imperceptibly slow and then God takes it up a gear but don't forget this one thing dear friends Peter writes with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but if everyone come to repentance. We tend to be in a rush to get things done. When there is confusion, we want to get it all sorted really quickly. But that's not the way God operates. And so we finish with the word from Ecclesiastes that he has made everything beautiful in its time and in his time. And he has set eternity in the heart and human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. He has made all things beautiful in his time. May we learn to live with the patience, knowing that the one who created every detail of our vast universe loves us 
and wants to work in us and through us to achieve his purposes. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.